And now, The Mentors, one of the most popular and unique shows on the radio today. Each week, one of our four remarkable CEOs, including Tom Lord, John Phillips, and Rick Brutico, will challenge your thinking about life and work. Sought after for their success and for consistently putting people first, treating employees and customers with respect, and helping others succeed, now these same CEOs, the mentors, want to help you achieve your highest level of profitability, success, and personal fulfillment in life, at work, and in business. Now, here's your mentor. Welcome. I am Tom Laurie, and I will be your host today. Thank you for joining us. Today, our guest mentor is Rodney Pierre Antoine, an educational entrepreneur who is today as executive director of Lumen Christie Academies, is responsible for guiding and growing seven preschool, preschool to eighth grade schools in Northern California, covering some of the uh, inner city as well. As an educator, Rodney is the ultimate mentor. We can all learn from him and most of us uh, can learn from educators like Rodney because they're responsible, along with the parents, for the future and quality of our culture and our nation's standing in the world. As Henry Adams once said, a teacher affects eternity. He can never tell where his influence stops. Today, Rodney is going to give us a peek into the challenges of an educator, what they face today, the challenges they have, particularly some of the challenges in the inner city with the kids that are preschool to K-8 or preschool to 8. I'm used to saying K to 8. But more importantly, that what he's learned and what works uh, with students and what I think probably can work for parents as well. Welcome, Rodney. Thank you for sharing your time. And let's get started by telling us about uh, what are the top concerns as an educator that you have today with these young kids? Well, thanks for having me, Tom. Um, thanks for having me, Tom. In terms of uh, in terms of top concerns, I'd say there there's a, a a priority being pushed on social emotional learning in our classrooms. Uh, so often, you hear talk of students um, not feeling safe or um, not feeling safe physically, but also emotionally. And, and, and maybe they're, they're coming home to their family saying, you know, I'm being bullied and, and such. So, you know, we, we, we've seen the tragedies play out in our high schools and, and in our middle schools. And, and honestly, it, it's, it's about creating a, a, a safe environment in the classrooms and, and providing students the social-emotional learning that used to take place at home, you know, way, ways to, to help students manage their emotions, um, helping kids set goals for themselves, things that, that the family used to traditionally do that we, we now have to find ways to do that in, 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 in the context of the school day. And, and what I've come to find out is that the schools and the classrooms and the leaders that are able to prioritize that social-emotional learning um, within within their their curricular programs um, are the ones that 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 set up their students to thrive so what is social emotional learning what are, you, what are their courses or behavior tell me a little bit about how you do that yeah you know I, I just think about the values and 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 that were instilled by our parents when we were younger um, the sense of um, empathy um, uh, an awareness of what others are going through, 
um, uh, a, a sense of connection, um, cultivating and, and nurturing relationships with your peers. Um, these are things that I think our generation and, and, and past generations take for granted um, that, you know, through socialization, kids just naturally had. Nowadays, uh, you know, our, our kids are being socialized by, by the latest device in their hands, and they don't have that interpersonal connection. And, and then they're placed in a school setting where, where they have to relate to one another. You know, I, I spent my summer um, outside playing um, with my friends in the neighborhood. Um, uh, we, we would meet up at the park and, and just play. And we learned to solve our conflicts. We learned um, to, to understand where one another were coming from. And, and, and our, our students today don't have those same experiences. They're so, so sheltered um, from, from interactions outside of, of, of their family. So um, in, in the context of a school day, it, it looks like, like, like kids in a classroom spending time in a circle, um, sharing, sharing how they're feeling, um, sharing their, their, their struggles, voicing the goals that they've established, whether they be academic or, or, or personal goals, and the work that they're doing um, towards, towards getting there. Um, it also might, might take the form of, of conflict resolution. Um, when there's a conflict between peers, um, how can the teacher facilitate a process in which, in which that conflict is resolved in a positive um, a formative way. So this is, I mean, as you're talking, I'm thinking back on my childhood, mm-hmm. and I'm having a hard time grasping a lot of this, and I'm sure I'm not different from other people that are older. As you said, um, you heard the term snowflakes, and we're too soft, and you're talking about some soft things. And I remember in the area where I grew up, which was north of Chicago, there was a bully in our neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And for the most part, we pretty much avoided the guy, except one time we all beat him up yeah. just to get even. But uh, there's obviously a, a change that's taken place. Uh, is it with, in a, I, what is it? What is that change that's led to this isolation that's led to uh, where the bullies are really, uh, it sounds like there are many more numerous bullies today than, and, and of course, so, getting ready for life, you get out of school, you you're going to deal with some bullies. I deal with bullies still. I mean, so if you think about the the, the root cause of of a bully, it's it's insecurities, right? You know, um, that 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 kid who who you guys handled um, in Chicago was probably a kid who was struggling with some 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 things personally or or at home, um, just dealing with some internal challenges. And, and the way in which that that child remedied it was to um, seek out harm to others so that they could um, kind of release some of the frustrations that they had. Well, I think nowadays our, our, our kids are, are dealing with so much more trauma than ever before. And, um, and, and they're not able to process it. So um, if, if, if they don't have any, any support to processing the, those internal challenges, then they're going to project it in, in um, uh, inappropriate behaviors. And, and I think the, the, the number of bullying or, or, or cases of bullying um, that, that surface, I think, I think it's a byproduct of the challenges that, that kids are facing um, each and every day that, that we didn't used to, whether it be broken homes, whether it be issues of poverty, um, what have you. I think kids are walking walking around with a lot more challenges, internal challenges than ever before and, 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 and aren't as resilient or, or, or able to resolve those challenges and, and, and which naturally leads to conflict. So there's an important lesson there for uh, not just for parents and what you're for educators, but I'm thinking now about the corporate world and the business world. 
Uh, I've met uh, bullies along the way, and I've come to the same uh, conclusion uh, that they're, in, they're insecure. And the bullying is just it's a way of keeping people away from them and dominating so that whatever it is that's bothering them, uh, this is an important lesson. A lot of people don't understand that. I, 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 and I suspect some of this has to do with the breakdown of the family. We're seeing more of this. I, I, would, I would definitely agree with that. And, and I think in the context of me as an educator, um, our, our role is to try to remedy it to remedy it on both sides, to really see what the root problem is for the, the child who is who is bullying, um, but then also for the one who's who's being victimized, how can we um, um, strengthen them and, and also instill instill a sense of um, awareness of what's happening? We gotta them. we gotta go to break. Hang on everybody, we're gonna come back and talk to Rodney Pierre Antoine, the executive director of Lumen Christie Academies, about things he's learned in the classroom that we can take into the world and help with our career. This is Tom Laurie, and this is The Mentors Radio. And now, back to The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. Welcome back. This is Tom Laurie with today's guest mentor, Rodney Pierre-Antoine, an educational entrepreneur who is today as executive director of Lumen Christie Academies, building a, a startup in some way of a school system. And we were just talking about bullying in the last uh, segment. I want to come back to that, Rodney, uh, because you're dealing with EQ. And there's a lot being written uh, in the business world today that it's not IQ, but EQ mm-hmm. that is the foundation for success. So as we're talking about these things and the bullying and all this stuff, I, I want to, we're going to come back to the kids. But there's some important lessons, I think, for adults to learn from all of this. Absolutely. Um, I, I think at the heart of EQ is being able to be relational. How do you cultivate um, uh, uh, positive relationships with the people around you? Um, how do you have a sense of empathy for, for what others are going through, um, how can you manage your emotions, and, and then also an awareness of how others manage theirs, um, how, how aware are you of triggers um, within your community, and recognizing as a, as a member of a community, your, your, your responsibility is to uplift and to bring out the best in, in your neighbors. And, and, and I think these are kind of the mindsets that we're, we're trying to instill in, in our classroom space um, uh, uh, so, that, so that everyone is kind of working collaboratively towards a common goal. And I would think with the breakdown of the family, a lot of the burden has shifted from the family unit to the schools to resolve some of this. Is that a fair assessment? Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, I, I think our, our parents um, nowadays, for a variety of reasons, um, don't, don't have the time or don't make the time to be able to support support the formation of their child, right? Whether it's a, a two-parent household or or a broken home, um, uh, where where priorities are 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 shifted or or, or time stretched, um, I, I often say time is 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 our most precious commodity, and our families don't often make make the necessary time um, to support their children. So um, that's that leaves 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 it up to to us as educators to be able to fill in that gap. Um, um, and and provide the support, like I said, historically that may have been um, uh, provided at home, 
um, we can't just say, oh, this isn't being um, taken care of at home and, and just leave it be. No, we've got to take action and, and be able to fill in whatever gaps may exist. Well, I know you're going to talk a little bit about loving them up and a way to get Absolutely. the kids. So I know you're going to get to. So one of the things you trigger for me as you're talking is that I've learned over the years that the greatest, this is what we all lose sight of, uh, the greatest sign of your love for another human being is giving them your time. When we spend time with another human being, because it is the greatest uh, resource that we have and very limited, time limited, giving of that is the greatest gift we can give to another human being. And I was a single parent, and I know as a single parent, one of the things I learned is making sure my, my, you can give them all the toys you want. But when you give them your time, that's the real sign of love. I, I absolutely wholeheartedly agree with that. And and kids are so receptive to that when you see um, when they see how much you care in, in your gift of time. Right. You know, uh, uh, there's a saying, tell uh, tell me where you spend your time and, and I'll, I'll tell you what you value. Um, I remember uh, being a new principal. I was 30 years old, and um, uh, parents would come to me often and say they'd use me as a threat to their kids. You know, if if you don't do this, um, I'm going to have to talk to Mr. PA about it. And and the one thing that I was trying to tell my parents at the time at, at the school is one, please don't use me as the bad guy. Um, uh, uh, the, and two, the only reason that I have an influence on your child is because I spend time with them. I'm, I'm spending time with them during morning recess, during lunch recess. Um, when I, when I hear about their games, uh, CYO basketball game, I'm there cheering them on. And through, through that genuine gift of time, there's connection. Um, so what I always encourage our families is to make sure you prioritize family times. Carve out time to to connect with your kids because it's through those connections that you'll be able to leverage um, um, some really uh, uh, a sense of connection and, 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 and they'll be able to listen to you so much more because they know that you value them because of the way you prioritize your time. This is Tom Laurie. You're listening to the Mentors Radio Show. Our guest mentor today is educational entrepreneur Rodney Pierre. Antoine, and you—I uh, mean, you come from—you come from an intact family. I do. I'm grateful but, for but that. But one, but one that went through some great challenges. Tell us a little bit about your story on how you uh, found how your parents found their way to the United States okay. and your educational background. So, so my my parents are um, immigrants from Haiti. Um, first generation Haitian American. I, my brother and I are. Um, they immigrated from Haiti, uh, kind of fleeing some political, um, political persecution um, from uh, Papa Doc um, uh, Duvalier um, in the in the early seventies, um, and uh, they fled Haiti and 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 settled in D.C. Um, and I, my brother and I were born in the mid seventies and, and, uh, as we were being raised in DC at the time, DC was, you know, murder capital of the, of the world. Um, and, and DC public schools were, were really, um, really poor, um, to, 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 to say the least. And, um, I, I, I'll never forget this. Um, I, my, my, my dad and my mom didn't know much. They weren't, they weren't highly educated, but they, they knew that the DC public schools weren't providing what, what we needed. And, and they used a friend of a friend's address, um, to get us into, um, Montgomery County public school system. And, and, and that changed our life trajectory. My brother now is a practicing lawyer and, and I've been an educator 
educator all my life. And, and, and the life trajectory that we were on or that we continue to be on, I think, goes back to one them chasing the American dream to, to, to immigrate to the United States and, and flee, flee, flee the political unrest in, in Haiti. But then, two, also the education piece that, that they were able to put us on an equitable um, um, playing field um, to receive just a phenomenal public education that, that has made all the difference in the world. So you went to school in the D.C. schools. Then you went up to Montgomery County, which is in Maryland. Yes. And there was quite a contrast Night between, and day. The, between the two of them. And you also had a mayor in D.C. that was uh, selling dope, as I recall. Or using it. <laughs> you had a lot of things going using on in it. D.C. <laughs> I, I don't think D.C.'s changed much, but uh, that, that's a lot of dopes there. But <laughs> anyways, uh, contrast the change you saw from D.C. to Montgomery County. You know, it was my first lesson in inequity. Um, here you have uh, um, a public education system, two public schools that we went to. Um, uh, serving, I was in second grade at the time, um, and and my brother and I were English language learners. We didn't speak any English, um, and uh, you know, after a year of being in D.C., we still didn't speak any English. Um, and uh, when we started going to Montgomery County's public schools, within a year and a half, we had tested. Both my brother and I had tested out of the English as a second and other language um, program, and. Um, it, it, it was night and day in terms of how we were treated, um, the, the way in which the teachers related to us, and also just, just the, the structure of the classrooms. It was a happy, um, positive um, environment that, that enabled us to thrive. And the last piece I'll say is my brother had a learning disability. Um, he was a resource uh, uh, student, and he was actually able to receive the services that, that were due to him and, and was able to navigate school through the supports provided. And, and the only difference was the school system. And you said that he is an attorney today, right? He's a practicing attorney, um, and 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 that's that's having a diagnosed learning disability, and and the 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 public school system that we went through um, didn't allow that to be a, a barrier for 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 his growth. And 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 again, grateful for that experience, and grateful for the decision that my parents made way back when. Well, we're going to come back and talk some more about your journey. We're with Rodney Pierre Antoine, the executive director of Lumen Christie Academies. And this is The Mentor's Show, and we'll be back in a minute. Merci. And now, back to The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. Welcome back. This is Tom Laurie with today's guest mentor, Rodney Pierre Antoine, an educational entrepreneur. And we're talking about the critical importance of knowledge for creating better possibilities in career and personal growth. We're delighted with the response that our show has received. If you missed any of this show or any previous episodes, you can download our podcast by going to our website, thementorsradio.com. That is thementorsradio.com. Remember to subscribe while you're there so you do not miss any future shows. All of our content is available for free. So great story about your young as a young uh, person in uh, Maryland and DC but somewhere along the line and uh, tell us a little bit more about CYO basketball where that fit in where you went to college and then teach America okay sure so so um, I started coaching CYO basketball in my parish 
Um, when I was 18, I actually was too young to coach. Um, uh, my brother technically was the coach on record. He was 21, um, but I was the one who, who coached. Um, there were a group of kids who I was helping out in an after-school program and, and um, tutoring them in after-school, and they had asked me to coach. And, and between the after-school tutoring and the coaching, that was when I kind of caught the education bug, um, realizing that I had the ability to, to be able to help help kids um, uh, um, see that they had more potential than they were aware of, um, whether with, with their math homework or, or with their skills on the basketball court. Um, and I just kind of, um, uh, uh, the more I did it, the more I realized, wow, not only um, am, I, am I able to help these students move forward or these basketball players get better, um, but I also enjoyed it. And, and to think that this could be a profession, um, a vocation, um, I, I, I was like, I, I was hooked. Um, I came home and, 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 and I think somewhere along the lines might have been my sophomore year in college. I, I told my parents, hey, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to be a teacher. And, and at which point my, <laughs> my dad quickly uh, said, uh, we did not bring you here to this country to teach. You must be a doctor or a lawyer or something. Uh, so they put the kibosh on that. Um, my brother was going to be going into law school and, and they, they had figured that that was going to be um, the pathway that I'd follow as well. Fast forward to my senior year at, at University of Maryland College Park, I hear about this program called Teach for America, um, where they were recruiting recent college graduates who didn't necessarily graduate with an education degree um, to commit to teaching two years um, in uh, under-resourced um, inner city areas um, and uh, went through the application process and um, eventually um, uh, got in and, and I was able to to break the news to my parents and said, hey, I, I, I ended up uh, finding a job as a teacher and uh, Teach for America placed me in West Oakland and, and the rest the rest in this ministry is history. Well, it's interesting you mentioned how your parents were uh, wanting to channel you into another profession. <laughs> Important lesson there for everybody, and that is uh, there's a number of people who've written about how we're held hostage to the things that our parents wanted us to do. Yeah. And typically when we run into some type of a brick wall in our career. We uh, And I can tell you many stories of people I've met over the years because of the work I do uh, for people that have lost their jobs, where they hit the brick wall and they come in and say, you know, I never really liked that. I never, that wasn't where my heart was. But you're one of the lucky ones. You were able to, first of all, you weren't being held hostage to the past. You were able to break a new one and follow your passion. They were very fortunate. I, I was, and, and, and I'm indebted to Teach for America for, for providing the, the door, the doorway for me to discover my life's passion and, and work. Um, you know, for the past 20 years, um, I, I haven't, I haven't worked a day. I've, 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 I've been in ministry and, and it's, it's, I wake up every morning thrilled for, for, for what the day, the day holds. And, um, you know, I, I think that I, I, I'm sure I can make a lot more money doing doing something else, but I don't think anything could make me as, as happy and as fulfilled as I, I, I feel um, each day as an educator. This is Tom Laurie. You're listening to the Mentors Radio Show. Our guest mentor today is educational entrepreneur Rodney Pierre-Antoine. Now, you mentioned about uh, a couple of things. Number one, it sounds like what you've discovered is a vocation rather Absolutely. than a job. I mean, Absolutely. Why don't you explain for the audience the difference between a vocation and a job? So, So I think... I, I believe that each of us, are we're blessed with gifts and talents. And I think our gifts and talents that we have are, are, 
are given to to benefit others and and to benefit the world um, and to be additive. Um, and I think part of part of what we we are we're, we're doing is trying to discover those gifts and talents and also discovering where where we can where we can utilize them um, in the service of others. And for me, that that's that's through education. For me, it's 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 helping teachers, helping parents. Um, and helping students um, um, be the best versions of themselves, um, and and especially helping them each each stakeholder group recognize what their gifts and talents are. Um, it's it's not something you know I do for a paycheck. It's something that I do um, for for my kind of life fulfillment. Tell us, you got into Teach America. For those that aren't aware of Teach America, tell us about what Teach America is all about and what it's doing. So Teach for America is is, is um, placing um, recent college gar- graduates in, in in schools where they're sometimes having difficulty recruiting recruiting teachers. And and um, one of the challenges for me with going into it is is yes, I had passion. Um, uh, yes, I, I I was able to naturally connect with students, um, but I didn't have the pedagogical chops and the skills to be able to engage. Um, a classroom setting and, and to really um, uh, provide students what they needed. And, and, and the idea that Teach for America stands on is that, you know, you can have these really passionate young men and women who will put in the time and the work to, 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 to hone in their craft while they're studying how to be a teacher. And, and um, what I found in, in Oakland was, was a classroom of students who, one, were incredibly patient with me. Um, um, uh, more, more often than not, but also who taught me so much, um, you know, about, about myself and, and, and were, were, were incredibly patient, allowing me to, to, to learn, um, learn the craft, um, alongside them. You know, I, 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 I didn't teach my first year class nearly as much as I did say by year, my year three or four class, but I loved my kids wholeheartedly and worked tirelessly for them. And because of that sense of commitment, um, they still were able to grow um, uh, uh, during, during that first year of teaching, despite the challenges. Now, you had a couple of mentors along the way that helped you in the classroom. Let's uh, talk a little bit about those folks. Sh- sure, absolutely. Um, I, I I, I was struggling as a first year teacher, as, as most first year teachers do. And, and, and I had Cheryl Wilson. Um, she was my math coach and Cheryl would come into my classroom and um, do model lessons for me. And that was when I realized, oh, my goodness, when the kids aren't listening, it's not because of them. It's actually because of me, because she came into that classroom and she was brilliant and and really brought out the best of them. Um, and having her be be present to give me constructive feedback along the way was 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 huge um, and 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 really stimulated my professional growth. Um, the other one was Barbara J. Mims, my principal at Hoover, where I taught for six years. Mrs. Mims, um, from her, I learned the importance of high expectations um, and also the importance of, of patience um, because she was incredibly patient with me. Um, uh, uh, she could have easily, after a couple of months, said, oh, this guy is not going to work out. Um, but alas, she saw the potential and, and, and then also invested the time in my formation as a as a new teacher. Let's hold on to that. I want to come back to your mentors. When we return, top educator Rodney Pierre-Antoine will continue with lessons he's learned by being in the classroom with young children and the work that he's doing as executive vice president of Lumen Christi. 
If you have any questions or feedback, call anytime at 844-810-8255. That is 844-810-TALK. This is Tom Laurie, and this is The Mentors Radio. And now, back to The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. Welcome back. This is Tom Laurie with today's guest mentor, Rodney Pierre-Antoine, an educational entrepreneur who is the executive director of Lumen Christie Academies, is talking to us about what we can learn from children in preschool to eighth grade. Uh, in the last segment, Rodney, we were talking about your mentors, and there's a couple of things that uh, stick in my mind about mentors. Uh, one, with Cheryl Wilson, uh, you talked, apparently she had some training programs. Tell us about, you did some things that were unusual to help yourself and grow yourself. Uh, yeah, so, you know, really committed to continual improvement and knowing that where you are today isn't where you're going to be tomorrow. Um, and Mrs. Mims, our principal, invested a lot of um, a lot of her dollars from her budget um, in professional development for the staff. So Cheryl Wilson was a coach through the Math Matters program and, um, you know, signed us up for it. And that meant that, you know, on Saturdays, Two Saturdays every month, I was I was in a professional development session with Cheryl and the Math Matters coaches. Um, she would provide constructive feedback um, through our observations of my of my class, and and um, that that that's when I learned the importance of being a reflective practitioner to be able to look at myself critically and and to see where are my growth edges, and and then to take steps towards. Um, towards addressing those those areas and filling in those gaps. Um, so Cheryl was instrumental in that, um, without a doubt. Now, these are all lessons that people, all of us, regardless of what our vocation is, can learn from. I mean, your story is a story we can all relate to in terms whether you're working at, you know, Apple or some other place around the country. These are things that are very important. You also mentioned, or I'd heard you talk earlier about, uh, not on this sh- before the show, about Barbara Mims and setting of expectations. Yeah, so I, I I think sometimes in our society we're not we're not always honest and transparent with folks, right? Um, and Mrs. Mims didn't have any problem letting us know uh, if our bulletin board wasn't where, where it needed to be, if our classroom management wasn't wasn't um, to the caliber, if if our school our transitions with our students weren't where they needed to be, um, she was really honest um, and 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 open. Um, but then she also was affirming um, and, and would, would, would embrace um, positive reinforcement to help motivate us to, to, to be better. Um, she forged really strong relationships with the students, um, encouraged us to make home visits. Um, and I realized that, you know what, she, if, if I could follow her lead, um, then, then I could connect with my classroom student, the students in my classroom, the way she connected with all the students in the school. Um, if I could connect with, with, with my parents in the classroom, then, then, then I could, um, have the same kind of relationships that, that, that Ms. Mim seemed to have with everyone who walked into that building. And, um, as I transitioned from the classroom to, to school leadership, I realized that, you know what, I had a great a great mentor to to to, to follow, um, and and I've always tried to to to, to forge really strong relationships um, with with all the stakeholders in my building, and then also commit a, a strong commitment to continual improvement and growth um, for the for the teachers in my building. So, and the work what you learned from Cheryl Wilson, from what I understand from your background, is as you started to employ these techniques and things. 
uh, that your students started to crush it. They crushed it. They crushed and it. I mean, you, I, you went on to become uh, what a, a leader in the educational process in the school as a result. Yeah, I mean, I bet. I, Best practices work when they're effectively implemented. And and she kind of sh- showed us a pathway to how to engage students effectively, but also how to build students' confidence um, and, and establish a really rich classroom culture focused on excellence. And um, our students thrived, and, and, and I've just taken that formula um, wherever I've gone. Well, these are great lessons, again, for anybody, regardless of uh, what you're doing, your line of work. The culture, she, I I would assume, too, that in getting these kids, you talk about loving them up, and there's a lot in there with developing trust. And these are kids in some of the schools you're competing with the gangs where they're looking for people to be with that they can trust because of the breakdown of the family. Could you just talk just briefly about that? Yeah. So, I mean, I I think if, if, if students aren't getting what they're what they naturally need um, a sense of connection um, at the home or in the home they're going to seek it elsewhere and 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 there there <laughs> there are positive um, places that 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 can provide um, that can fill in that gap and there's there's some that are, are negative as well so if, if you think about gang culture I mean w- what the gangs are providing students is a sense of connection a sense of familial ties and 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 a sense of belonging um, and and I think if we can offer that in, in, in the context of a school, in the context of a classroom, then we can um, really bring out the best um, of the students entrusted to our care and then also set them up for, for, just, for just a lifelong success um, because they'll, they'll have these values that'll be instilled within that, that no one can take away from them. This is Tom Laurie. You're listening to the Mentors Radio Show. Our guest mentor today is educational entrepreneur Rodney Pierre-Antoine. Now, these, this, so you've talked about culture, you've talked about trust. Everything you're talking about plays out in a, uh, any kind of an organization. Absolutely. And, and then you mentioned that the kids aren't getting what they need naturally. They're going to go somewhere else and get it. I, that's true of adults, isn't it? Absolutely. And, 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 and even in the, the, the work that we're doing, it's critical that as school leaders that we are, we're mindful of the culture, the professional culture that we're cultivating so that, um, you know, if, if, you don't, if you don't cultivate a positive culture, it's really easy for a toxic one to surface. You know, so we really need to make sure that everyone's getting what they need. And ultimately, that's what equity is about. Right. Um, getting a sense of what the needs are within within your 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 building or your company and 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 making sure that you provide the resources that that those individuals need um, so that they can be best positioned to, to to thrive. I mean, it's the responsibility once the resources and everything to thrive is on the ch- on the child or the adult. Right. But you talked about this atmosphere of love and trust and all of that, which many times uh, when you get out of school, it's a hard thing to find in the the hard world, right? Yeah, but I, I bet you those, those companies that thrive really have rich culture where, where folks really, really have a sense of connection. Now, so along the way, you met your wife and uh, that... Thank, thank, thank goodness for that. Led to an epiphany <laughs> that took you out of the. Tell you went out of the educational yeah. world and went somewhere else to 
thought you were going to make more money. Tell I us did. a little bit. I did. Two minutes and tell us about that. Living in the Bay Area, um, uh, my, my wife and I, um, we, we met as new teachers at New Teacher Orientation, and we, we helped each other out, volunteered in each other's classrooms, and, and really kind of grew together as, as, as young adults, but also as educators. And, and when it became clear that, you know what? Uh, uh, we were going to get married. I realized two teachers living in the Bay Area wasn't going to make it. So um, yeah, she was an education major from BC, and and she was passionate about education. And education is something that I kind of fell into. And and I thought, okay, let me get a corporate gig. And and I ended up working in marketing um, for the Wall Street Journal in the city. And and I often say, you know, if if I had just gotten that job right out of college, I could have easily been very comfortable. But after a year of of being at the Wall Street Journal, I found myself missing my classroom, missing my kids, missing my community. And um, uh, after a year of being at the Journal, I returned back to my 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 Teach for America placement site at Hoover Elementary, where I where I served as an, as fifth grade teacher for another four years. And you know, grateful for that. Grateful for that. Well, we've got one more segment. We have come back and talked to Rodney Pierre Antoine about his life as an educational entrepreneur. Like us on fe- Facebook at thementorsradio.com. You will find all of our show notes and links at TheMentorsRadio.com. This is Tom Laurie, and this is The Mentors Radio. And now, back to The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. Welcome back. This is Tom Laurie with today's guest mentor, Rodney Pierre-Antoine, an educational entrepreneur who is the executive director of Lumen Christie Academies. We've talked a lot about education and how it relates to uh, organizations uh, and companies and all of that. And now we're going to shift gears a little bit. Now I'm going to have Rodney tell us a little bit about his experience at the University of Notre Dame, a very uh, important mentor there. And then I want him to tell us about the work he's doing at Lumen Christie. Awesome. Thank you, Tom. Um, Father Ron Nuzzi was the program director of the Remick Leadership Program when I uh, received my master's um, in ed leadership um, from the University of Notre Dame, go Irish. Um, he he was so inspirational and, and, and formational for me as a school leader. Uh, he had the saying that he told us to lukewarm go elsewhere um, and really, really imprinted in us the the importance of 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 being a pastoral a spiritual and an in, in instructional leader all in one um and and to cultivate uh strong positive relationships within our schools um and 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 that's kind of driven me as a school leader and now as a network level leader um as executive director of the lumen christie academies you know i'm responsible for seven schools that have been merged into a network and kind of like um what might happen in the corporate world whenever there's a merger, um, you know, different folks are coming at it from different different angles, and 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 oftentimes um, people feel that their their autonomies are being infringed upon, and and one of the things that that we've been able to forge some success this first year is is to really empower the leaders of our seven schools to be part of the change that that that's being brought brought through um, Lumen Christie Academies to be contributors in the innovative practices that we're we're um, um, allowing to take root across our network and and the more folks feel empowered the more buy-in they have for this vision that they are co-creating as opposed to it being um, um, uh, uh, 
uh, handed down to them. So it's it's been great just to see the organic um, uh, development of a of a leadership team of these leaders who historically have have, have worked as, as in isolated silos and and really coming together and and kind of leveraging their their talents um, to 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 develop a greater a greater good. Now, Father Newsy said something about budgets. Oh, uh, so one, <laughs> Father Nuzzi said, "But your budget is a statement of mission. Um, you show me your bu- you show me your budget, and I'll 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 be able to see what is important to you. Um, so it's a great a great filter um, um, uh, for us to see. You know what? Where are we investing our dollars? Um, if if we really think um, uh, personalized learning is important, or we we want to differentiate instruction, well, how are we how are we investing that that those dollars? And no different than in the corporate world, you know, if if, if, if a certain approach is important, then, then you're going to be investing, investing your resources um, towards that end. Now, you did something early in your career, and I guess you do it throughout your career, with a deck of cards. Ah, yeah. And this is an important uh, lesson even for our audience, regardless going into a new company or whatever. But why don't you share that story? With yeah, I us? used to do this with my fifth graders, and you know, my fifth graders are coming into into um, at the time. The, West Oakland was a difficult um, place, um, uh, under resourced, um, um, a lot of challenges in their lives. And I, I did this activity where I I had a few kids um, p- pretend to be playing a, a game of, of cards, and I I stacked the deck, and and some 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 had a better hand than others, and and I said such is life. Um, you know, you're going to you're going to be dealt some hands that are good and some 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 are bad what you do with that hand is up to you how you play it um, and it's no different than, than 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 the teachers or or the leaders that I have or or in your corporate offices you know we all are given a situation um, and what we do with that situation is up to us and 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 we have to we have to be able to take control of the situation use our gifts and talents and then move forward in a positive direction and and have a firm belief in ourselves and in in those um, um, around us on our team that that we can we can take whatever situation we have and and make the best of it. Where do you see yourself in five years? Uh, uh, impacting students' lives, impacting teachers' lives, impacting families' lives. So, um, five years, ten years, twenty years. I'm going to be um, always an educator at heart, uh, 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 bringing bringing equity where it's not. And with all the people that you've seen in your lifetime, those that are happiest, what's the common thread that you've seen in their lives? Those who are happy are, are, are have a cl- clear awareness of their gifts and talents and are leveraging them each and every day to help those around them. Well, we're out of time. We've been talking to a rising star in our educational system, Rodney Pierre-Antoine. Thank you very much for your time. Remember, if you tuned in late, you can listen to this and past shows by downloading podcasts by going to our website, thementorsradio.com. Thank you for listening. We will be back again next weekend at this time for the next edition of the Mentors Radio Show. Until then, this is Tom Laurie signing off for today. Remember to be all that you can be and keep the candle lit for all who struggle in the darkness. It's been The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. To get more information about the program or a sponsor, to download a podcast of today's show, or to leave a question for our host, go to TheMentorsRadio.com. That's www.TheMentorsRadio.com. The preceding program, copyright CBJ, LLC. All rights reserved.